You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farah of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Have you ever really thought through what it is that Satan actually tries to steal from us? He's not going to steal our material, our resources, our money. What's he going to do with that? No, what he's going to steal from us is joy. He wants to steal our joy. Why? Because he knows, as Nehemiah 8.11 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. See, if he can steal our joy, so too can he steal our strength. Satan doesn't care about our stuff. He cares primarily about hurting God in whatever way he can. As Pastor J.D. explains in today's message, if Satan can rob you of the joy of the Lord, he's dealing a blow to God's heart. Ultimately, God has already won the war, but he desires for us to live abundantly in his joy and peace right here now. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 126 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 1. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, verse 4, as the streams in the south. Those who, I love verse 5, I love verse 5, I love verse 5, and I think you do too. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Psalm 126 is a psalm really about Israel returning to the Lord after being in captivity, in exile. And again, it's another of the song of ascents. This time it's one that is filled with rejoicing, rejoicing in the Lord. And by the way, interesting side note, there is a difference between joy and rejoicing. And if you'll just kind of bear with me, I'll try to explain what the difference is. So joy, different than happiness, is that which the Lord gives us as only He can. Uh, Happiness is predicated upon the circumstances in our lives going well. If things are going good, we're happy. Things are not going good, we're not happy. That's different than joy. Joy is not predicated upon what is going on in our lives. It is the joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord. And it's the number one thing, and by the way, we're going to talk a little bit about this on Sunday in our uh, study in Colossians chapter 2. You know when Jesus says that the thief comes to steal 
kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Have you ever really thought through what it is that Satan actually tries to steal from us? He's not going to steal our material, our resources, our money. What's he going to do with that? No, what he's going to steal from us is joy. He wants to steal our joy. Why? Because he knows, as Nehemiah 8.11 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. See, if he can steal our joy, so too can he steal our strength. So we can't stand strong in the joy of the Lord. So he's always all about stealing our joy, stealing our peace too. All of those things that come as a result of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness. I always forget patience. Why are you laughing? <laughs> and then self-control. But he's always all about stealing our joy. So that joy is that which the Lord gives us. It's the joy of the Lord, joy in the Lord. What's the difference between joy and rejoicing? Okay, rejoicing is a conscious effort to rejoice in the Lord in spite of the circumstances that you're in. You're not rejoicing in your circumstances. They're anything but an occasion to be rejoicing. You're rejoicing in the Lord. The Apostle Paul to the Corinthians says that we're sorrowful but rejoicing. How is that possible? That's kind of a paradox, an oxymoron. How can you be sorrowful but yet rejoicing? Great illustration. I heard uh, explained this way. So you know when we go through difficult times, there can be sorrow and grief and suffering during a trial. Okay, we can be sorrowful, but still rejoicing when it goes deeper than what is on the surface. Think of it this way, the depths of the ocean, the waters are still and calm below in the depths, but on the top they can be shaken and bacon. <laughs> I mean, they can be tumultuous, the waves tossing to and fro, everything is in a state of disarray. But when you go down deeper, that's where you find the joy and the rejoicing in the Lord. Here's another example. So you're going through a difficult time and you're, it's hard. I mean, you're not saying, you know, I, I broke my arm, you know, praise the Lord, I'm rejoicing. <laughs> you know, I got a broken arm. That, come on, that's silly, right? No. Okay, I broke my arm or something bad happened. This happened. Okay, this is not a good thing but I'm rejoicing in the Lord when I recall all the blessings that God has given me. I don't know what it is about us, and I know you do this just as I do this, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are. What is it about us that we'll focus on two or three problems that we have, and we'll take our eyes off of the 500 blessings that we have? And that's what I think the enemy is all about trying to do in our lives, is to get our eyes off of all of the blessings in our lives. Yeah, okay, I broke my arm, but you know what? <laughs> Look at what the Lord's doing in my life here. 
Look at the blessing on my life here. Yeah, I've got this situation. I've got this problem. I've got this pressure. I've got this stressful situation. But I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. It's a choice that we make. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to go down deeper where the waters are still and peaceful and calm at the root. It's the same thing with a tree too. The trees above can be just going back and forth with the storms of life, but down below those roots are deep and strong. And that's rejoicing in the Lord despite the circumstances. Well, this psalm is speaking of this rejoicing. And of course the famous and well-known verse, a life verse for many, what you sow in tears you will reap in joy. And I think to me what the psalmist is trying to communicate here is that there are those times in our lives where we can go through a period of backsliding. And when we repent and return to the Lord, He's always waiting with open arms to embrace us. And this is what the psalmist is saying here. Yes, we were in exile, but God, you forgave us. We return to you and our hearts are glad. What we sowed in tears and there were many tears over the years in exile, we have now reaped in joy. You know, I've been walking with the Lord for 37 years and I only backslid one time in my life and it was early on in my Christian life. I came to Christ in 1982. In 1980s, and thankfully it was only for a period of about maybe four or five months. Something had happened, it was just devastating to me. I was just really crushed. And I wasn't grounded enough yet in the Lord. I love the Lord, I was still saved. But I just went through this period of about four or five months of backsliding, and it was the most miserable and terrible and horrible time of my life. I think about when David was, um, after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, that's not what happened by the way, I probably could have used a different illustration, <laughs> but where, and then you know he covers up the murder of Uriah the Hittite, and he goes for a year until the prophet Nathan comes and confronts him, and we saw it in the Psalms already, where he talks about what was going on inside of him during that time, during that one year away from the Lord. Basically what he said is, I, I almost died inside. My, I was drying up. I, my, my bones were just, I mean, I was just dead when I was away from the Lord. And then when he came back to the Lord, oh, the joy. And I'll never forget it. In fact, I'm coming up on, I'll, it, because it was the 4th of July, was when I repented on Independence Day 1986. And I remember I wrote a letter to the Lord. This is, and I did it on my computer. This is 1986. So this is one of those 
computers with the big floppy disks before the hard drive, cutting edge man, dot matrix printer, <laughs> one of those computers, okay? And it, and it was basically a word processor program. This is, you know, pre-Windows too, by the way, long, long before Windows. And I remember going into the word processor, and I, I wrote a letter to the Lord, and I declared my independence from the prior bondage of sin and backsliding, and my dependence upon Him on that Independence Day. And it was a declaration <laughs> of sorts where I came back to the Lord, and from that day on I never looked back. And that was 1986, and that was the only time that I had ever uh, backslid from the Lord. But when I came back, oh my goodness, His arms were stretched out wide, waiting, like the, the parable of the prodigal. We always couch that in terms of a wayward daughter or a prodigal son. Well, I think that has application to us too, as Christians, when we get away from the Lord and we backslide, and we're not really interested in the things of the Lord, and we kind of go back into the world. You've maybe heard it said this way, where you got one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord, and you're too, you have too much of the Lord in you to be happy in the world, and you have too much of the world in you to be happy in the Lord. I mean, it's just a miserable place to be. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when you've just been away from the Lord. And this is really what the psalmist is expressing. Psalm 127. This is a great psalm, by the way. Another song of ascents. This one is a song of Solomon. Solomon wrote this. As you know, Solomon was David's son. Verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Okay, stop right there. I just want to go on the record and let you know that sleeping in is biblical. It's right here. This is, that's my story and I'm sticking with it. Can I get an amen here on verse... <laughs> it is vain for you to rise up early, okay? Just and to stay up late. The idea, of course, being that you stay up and work late, get up early in the morning to get ahead. It's pointless, it's vanity. We're going to see this, by the way, when we get to Proverbs and the Song of Solomon where Solomon talks about just the vanity, just the emptiness of these pursuits. Verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Okay. I want to talk about that in a moment. Children are a, a heritage, a gift, a reward from the Lord. Verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed or 
maybe better understood, disappointed. But shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Okay, interesting psalm in the sense that, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but it speaks to every aspect of our lives. Notice he starts off with the building of a house. Then he talks about the city, commerce, the city gate. And then he talks about the work of our hands, the fruit of our labor, our careers, our jobs. Then he speaks of family and parenting, and he goes in that order. Here's what I think the point of the psalm is. Every aspect of our lives has to be built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. He has to be the foundation upon which we build our lives, every aspect of our lives, our marriages, our finances, our jobs, our parenting, our family life. To labor is to labor in vain if he is not at the center. I think about the parable that Jesus taught in Matthew 7 about two builders. And he contrasts the wise builder with the foolish builder. And it's really a practical parable. Not that the parables aren't, as a, as a rule, practical, but the lesson is powerful, maybe better said. So he contrasts these two builders who apparently are, they have a lot in common. They both heard the words of Jesus. They both want to build. They both have plans to build. And the only difference is one builds on the sand as the foundation, and the other builds on the rock. So when, not if, the storms come, and the storms do come, it's just a matter of time before the house built on the sand comes crashing down. And Jesus even says very specifically that it will fall with a great fall. Why? There's no foundation. It's on the shifting sand. Now contrast that builder with the one who built his house on the solid rock. That was the foundation. So when, again, not if, the storms of life come, that house is immovable. Now what's the difference? What's the point of the parable? What's the lesson to be learned? Well, the one who built his house on the rock is the one who not just heard the word, but put it into practice. The one who built his house on the rock heard the words of Jesus, but also was a doer, not just a hearer of God's word. Applied the word, put the word into practice, lived according to the word of God. That's how we build our lives on the foundation, that rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ, so that everything now that we do in our lives is based upon, built upon, the Word of God and the God of the Word. So when it comes to, I don't want to get too far off here, but when it comes to marriage, Jesus Christ, and every time I do a, a, marriage, a wedding, 
I always emphasize the paramount importance of keeping Jesus Christ and His rightful place at the center of that marriage. If Jesus Christ is not at the center of that marriage, it's just a matter of time. It'll come crashing down, sadly. And the statistics bear it out. The one who builds their marriage on that rock-solid foundation is the one who builds upon the Word of God, putting the Word of God to practice. Psalm 128. Again, another song of ascents. Verse 1, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Now you'll, <laughs> the imagery is a little bit, you know, um, more for that day in that time. Verse 4, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Well, this psalm is interesting because it really provides us with a list of all of the blessings that come to those who fear the Lord. Maybe this is as good of a time as any to sort of redefine well, I should say define what it really means to fear the Lord. Well, maybe first, what does it not mean to fear the Lord? To not, what it means to not fear the Lord doesn't mean you're, you're terrified of Him. You know, you're afraid of Him. No, the fear of the Lord is to have a deep reverence and awe and respect is a, for lack of a better word, where you just reverence God. You have this reverent fear of who He is, Almighty God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, Almighty God. It's a, a fear, a respect, a revering of, a reverence for. So now the psalmist is giving us this list, and again, by any stretch of the imagination, it's a very practical list. It, it deals with our day-to-day -day lives. And these are the blessings that come to those who fear the Lord. Now when we get to the Proverbs, which I can't wait to get to the Proverbs. This is after the book of Psalms, by the way. And we're, we're getting there. We're almost done with the book of Psalms. Maybe we'll get through the book of Psalms before the rapture happens at this rate. We're still working uh, towards that. But in the Proverbs, we're going to be told that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. 
Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor JD's Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <music> 